Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Blitzbach. Today, I'm so excited. We have with us Justin. It's actually a bit of a story how I know Justin. So my kids have, for their entire lives, gone to the camp that Justin's dad owns. They actually started at the camp, I think, when they were either three or four years old in the very youngest group of campers. And initially, Justin was there also as a camper, and then he became one of the counselors, and my kids have sort of grown up knowing him. One day, we saw on Facebook a message from Justin's dad that he had been diagnosed with cancer. And I'm not going to share any more of the story. I'm going to let Justin tell you how this all went. Justin, go ahead. Thanks for the introduction. So it was March of sixth grade. I was on four basketball teams, and I spiked a fever. And I had perfect attendance at that time. That's something I was really striving for at that age. And I had to miss school because I had a 104 fever, which is quite high. And it lasted for about five or six days before the pediatrician said, you should go to the hospital and check it out. And we went to the hospital and the doctor came in my room. It was pretty dramatic. And he said, Justin, you probably have diabetes. And I freaked out. I said, oh my God, the, (laughs) the world is ending. I have diabetes, game over. I will no longer be cool. Uh, And then they said, wait a second, there's no white blood cells on this lab report here. You should go to St. Peter's or Robert Wood Johnson and get this checked out. So we ended up going to St. Peter's. And after some tests the next day, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And so how that kind of went was right when the doctor told me, in three seconds, I had three thoughts. Thought one was that I was going to die because at the age of 12, all I've known about cancer is people get cancer and then they die and it's typically old people. And then thought number two was, oh my God, I'm going to lose my hair. And I put my hands in my hair and I start pulling it out. I was like, mom, look, I'm already losing my hair. And then (laughs) the third thought I had, which was the worst thought, but it just shows, it's very indicative of how old I was at the time where I said, oh my God, if I lose my hair, I might as well die because I'm not going to be cool anymore. I had had the original Justin Bieber haircut and I had a long board. Like I thought I was hot stuff back then, but I really wasn't. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I got diagnosed with cancer and it sucked because I really thrive in school um, and with my peers and having to do everything at home, get homebound, tutored, uh, do stuff virtually, stunk. Uh, And I wasn't a big fan of it. And so I missed the rest of sixth grade and I was able to go back to school towards the end of seventh grade. I logged about 20 or so days in between, I would say three months. It was was pretty sparse just because I had to go to the hospital all the time for chemotherapy. I had a couple allergic reactions to some chemo, so I had to do some ones that um, treatment protocols that were a little longer in length because of that. And then eighth grade, I did about 120 days. I was able to do a majority of it. So then ninth grade, I was in remission for, and that, that was pretty normal. I just went to the hospital once a month for checkups. And 10th grade was the summer before 10th grade, I was off chemotherapy. I believe it was July 15th, 2015. So going into my junior year of high school, uh, life was pretty good. I, uh, because of the cancer, I took a lot of the chemotherapy protocols, I should say, took a lot of steroids, a lot of prednisone. And so I gained a lot of weight and I wasn't my athletic self that I was in sixth grade. 
And so the summer going into my junior year of high school, I was working out again. I was getting in shape. I was losing weight and everything seemed pretty good. And I was like going to try out for the basketball team. And I, I went to a small high school, so I didn't have much competition, so to speak. So I was pretty excited for that. And then I spiked a, what felt like a fever, but I didn't have a fever, but I was, I had blurry vision and I was sitting in the middle of my forensics class and I texted my mom. I said, mom, I feel like I'm dying. Like I can't feel anything. And I started sweating profusely. And my mom said, oh, I'll stop by the nurse's office on my way to uh, work. And I was in the nurse's office. The nurse took my temperature. I had no temperature. And I said, you're fine. We're going to the doctor's tomorrow. We'll see what it's then. And we went to the doctor's the next day and they ran some tests and they said, Justin, you either have one or two things. You either have mono or you have relapsed. And I looked at my mom and I said, well, mom, I just want you to know I haven't kissed anyone. So I don't think I have mono. <laughs> and so we went out to dinner that night and we like were pretty certain that I had had to have had cancer. And so we kind of planned our uh, method of attack, I guess, from there, how we'd push back the SATs and whatnot to make sure that everything would still be in order so that I could progress normally. That was the big thing. Even getting sick when I was in sixth grade was like, all right, you'll be back for eighth grade. Like who cares about sixth grade? Who cares about seventh grade? Be there for like as majority of most as possible is eighth grade because that's the year in middle school, so to speak. So we were like, all right, let's look at senior year. Like that's what we're going to do. And so when I relapsed, they put me in a more intensive protocol. So that was November 16th. It was a week after my birthday. And so I just turned 17. So that protocol did not knock me into remission like it was supposed to. It was a month of hell. And they said, you have essentially three options from here. We can do this month of hell again. You can do this study here at this, uh, St. Peter's that isn't really doing so well or bad yet. It's kind of in the middle. Or you can go to CHOP and you can probably get a bone marrow transplant. So we went to CHOP. My parents were like, hey, can you get a bone marrow transplant? And they said he should probably do the CART T-cell study, the non-FDA-approved treatment. And so that's what I ended up doing. And um, they took my cells January 5th and in the second week of May. So I went to, I did my SATs. I went to prom. I just had to do everything from home school-wise. My parents were like, you got to go to prom. You got to do all these things. I uh, went to CHOP and I got my T-cells. And then very quickly, I was knocked into remission. And I had very minimal side effects. Typically, spike a high fever or there's maybe slight graffers host with it. I had nothing. And so they sent me home a month earlier than they planned. So I was able to work at camp that summer and life was good. I, I was like, everything's great. And about a week before, maybe two weeks before my senior year of high school, I went to the hospital on a Monday for a bone marrow and my MRD and what they saw in my like counts or whatnot suggested that the cancer was likely returning and that it was already like taking form. And so they said, you can either do the T-cell thing again, we can wait to see what happens and combat it more specific rather than general, or you can do a stem cell transplant. Stem cell transplants and the bone marrow transplant, something I always veered away from because I knew it would knock me out for a year. And I knew there was also radiation. So at this time, I hadn't had any radiation. I know there's long-term side effects of that, and I didn't want that. And the other thing going back to like doing eighth grade was now it was senior year that was just going to get completely wiped out. I did not want that to happen because it was like, all right, senior year, and this was promised. And uh, I did eighth grade and I did some of high school, but it was never all of it. And I felt like at this point, I, what was earned was being taken away. So the third time that I had to go through this whole rigmarole, I was pretty pissed off. The second time I was more annoyed because it wasn't that long. The first time I was very confused, I was 12. So third time I got cancer, I was mad. I fully expected to go through with my senior year of high school. 
and to have that year in the movies, uh, so to speak, because that's how I kind of got social cues because I was at home, stuck at home, doing school at home. And when I was in sixth grade, yeah, I had a lot of friends, but I didn't know how to talk to them about having cancer and they didn't know how to talk to me. So instead of us like being awkward and like still being in contact, we just all stopped talking to each other. Not to say that like I had no friends, but I didn't really have people to like communicate with that were my age. I ended up talking to older people that reached out to me or like my parents' friends because they were around more. So I had a hard time acclimating to kids my age, but all that I had learned about high school and because I hadn't really experienced it, it was through movies. So I was like ready for that like year of like awesomeness. You were, then, you were looking for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, I mean, basically confused <laughs> all these movies where I was just like, all right, like this is what it's going to be. And then it was, no, you actually have to spend a hundred plus days in the hospital and then move into a little apartment in Philly so that you can be close. So it was, it was a lot different. So I got my stem cells actually today, three years ago. Today's my three-year rebirth. Oh my gosh, congratulations. My parents. Thank you. So it's, it's pretty awesome that the interview's on the same day, I think. That's um, so fun. I'm so excited. What a great way to celebrate. Yeah. So I got my stem cells and the month leading up to that where uh, they, it, they call it conditioning, where they essentially kill your body. So there's full body radiation every day for a week, multiple times a day. There was crazy amounts of chemotherapy, crazy reactions and side effects. And it, it was a pretty terrible situation. Full body uh, radiation. That's no joke. We did that no, at Jefferson no for joke. patients when I was a resident. And it is not easy on these people. And you were still no. a kid. Yeah, I was 17. So the full body radiation for me, um, I, 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 so I was born with one kidney. And uh, just, just how I was born. The other one atrophied. And so they like put a block over my right kidney to protect it. But I was on the ground with a piece of like uh, glass, I would say two inches from my nose that was on top of me with that uh, block covering my kidney. And I would just be under that light in that machine. And I would say towards the second to last day, I was having a reaction to it where I was frantically itching myself painfully. Like it was, I just felt it everywhere. And you're not really supposed to feel it. And I don't know if it was all in my head because I was taking other medicines where the chemo would secrete through the skin and my entire body was peeling and whatnot. But I was, I was a hot mess express essentially. <laughs> Um, where I entered uh, the stem cell transplant about 175. And by the end, when I was released, I was closer to 130 pounds. Oh my um, gosh. All my muscles atrophied. I couldn't walk and I couldn't talk from mucositis from the chemotherapy. So I had a whiteboard that was my communication uh, method where like one meant I had to pee, two meant I had to poop. A three was food, but I was never hungry. Four was like drinks, but I couldn't swallow anything. So I was getting my nutrition through an IV bag. And so I was doing not so great. And then eventually I grew up an appetite and I told my mom to go get me five guys and she <laughs> didn't. I ate the entire thing and it was the first time I ate in like a month and a half. And they said, wow, you keep eating for two days. We'll let you leave. And I said, oh, you had me there. <laughs> and so I forced myself to eat food I would never eat, like the hospital food. I don't like it. I got to be honest. And they let me go. And so they, uh, they put me up in an apartment on Market Street, and I was there till, I would say, right before Christmas. And then I was okay. able to be home uh, for Christmas. So that was interesting. And then I spent the rest of my senior year at home just because my A&C was zero, and 
I had low hemoglobin and terribly low platelets, and I needed to get IVIG all the time uh, so I could have an immune system. So you have no immune system after a stem cell transplant. So all the graphers host stuff that I had from it was primarily dealt with in the hospital. I haven't had anything really since. So I got out uh, when I was living in Philly, I learned how to walk again, and then I moved back to the suburbs and went to graduation and then worked at camp and then bam, Villanova out of nowhere, showed up. <laughs> and it was awkward because everyone's like, yeah, senior year was so great. I did this and that. And I was like, yeah, I, senior year's great. Like, that's all I'd say. <laughs> it's like, can't drop that bomb on them. I was like, no, I had cancer and I was in the hospital. But uh, the rest of Oh my gosh. So you went into freshman year and didn't even like tell everyone up front that it's not like I'm going to wear a shirt that says, hi, my name's Justin. I had cancer a bunch of times. Terrible way to start a conversation. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, the, the trick is with me. If someone came up to me and said, Justin, have you ever had cancer? I wouldn't want to. I would be like, of course. Yeah. Like you can Google it. Not to like flex. It's not flex. It's just, it's very public, but it's not something I lead with. And I don't like hide it as like, it's so personal to me. It's majority, more than half of my life at this point, I've essentially been dealing with cancer. It's very much a part of me. I don't try to hide it but it's not something I just throw at people. It's not who you are. It's something that happened, but it's it's not a defining thing in your life. By no means, yeah. And so I kind of, I don't hide it or conceal it, but I'm able to dance around the topic without saying it. Where when people like realize or hear about it, they're like, well, that makes a lot of sense based off what he said. For instance, the COVID thing. People like, how are you adjusting? I was like, this is what I've been doing all of my life. Like all my life, I've been doing online virtual learning, um, whether it's through an online high school program, whether it's through my high school. Like this is normal to me. I know how to prioritize. I'm not going to like drown in work. So you're like, you're the one who's like killing it during all of this. I, yeah. I mean, I used to get made fun of it when I'd go on planes, I'd bring down wipes and I'd wipe everything down. I'd hand sanitize my desk in college and I, I'd wear masks sometimes. People are like, you're crazy. And now everyone does it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I think I was on the right track. <laughs> I got to credit to my mom. So I was, when I was in sixth grade, I was very embarrassed to do all this. She's like, no, you got to do this or I'm not letting you leave the house, which was smart. So, <laughs> Your parents were really amazing during all of this. I mean, yeah. they just kept everything together and kept everything running and still ran the camp. They were amazing. Anything in particular you want to say about your parents? Yeah. I think the the fun part about getting older is you realize what a terrible child you are. <laughs> and I, uh, I don't think I gave my parents uh, the amount of respect and kindness that I should have. Because I Again, I was 12 and I was confused, but I was also a teenager for most of this. And teenagers have mood swings. I was pretty pissed to be stuck at home. And I wasn't the nicest person at times, but to realize how much they sacrificed, especially my mom, she really put everything on halt for me. I have so much respect and admiration and just, I think the world of both of them. And they're truly my heroes and just some of the greatest people in the world, I think at least. I think your dad, you know, I have not had the pleasure of meeting your mom, but your dad is just one of the kindest people I think I've ever met in my life. Such an honor to have my kids get to know him and get to know you over the years. What are some of the things that you learn that you wouldn't want to give up from this? I think the big one that I talked about in my TED talk was the idea of holding on to normal. And that is how 
a lot of not to like this is not an attack on other people's experiences but i there's a lot of motivational videos out there and i've been to a lot of really for life so I, i've been a participant and spoke at and people say well i learned to live every day like it's my last and if, if today was my last day i would not be doing this <laughs> i would not have had a salad for lunch and i wouldn't be doing my laundry tonight like it would be anarchy and so I just, I learned that the normal things in life are what is important. And that's such a cliche kind of run of the mill stupid thing, but the pandemic put everyone in a prison cell essentially in their house. People are like, yeah, I miss going to work. Yeah. I miss driving my car. Yeah. I miss going to the grocery store. Yeah. I miss all these things because that is what's fun about like the routine, the, just the little interactions here and there. The worst part about getting cancer was not that I got over 200 muscular shots in my legs. It was that I couldn't play basketball with my friends. That yeah. was, I, I didn't think I was going to the NBA. My mom's 5'1", but I like, <laughs> enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed hanging out with my friends, seeing all these people, meeting all these people. Worst part about getting cancer was missing so much, so many weeks of camp, because that was like the constant. It was like camp, 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 camp. When your parents were on a camp, that's all I talk about at the dinner table. And I couldn't be there. And my sister was working there. And that sucked. It wasn't that it was painful. And yes, it was. It was more of just like getting removed from society. So when the pandemic happened, I was pissed off because I hate being stuck. I don't like being put in a box and being like, this is what you have to do. It feels like this is really unfair after having had you miss a couple of years of middle school and a couple of years of high school to now be missing a couple of years of college. And it's not even the stinking cancer, you know? Yeah. Unfair, um, it's, it's, it's a part of it, but it's more so, this is just my life to me. And this is, this is, I guess, the more messed up part about having cancer for so long at that kind of, those developmental years of my life, where this is kind of what I expected everyone went through, where I don't have much sympathy for people who like freak out over someone wearing the same outfit as them. If that's the biggest issue in your life, God bless you, but you're not getting any sympathy or empathy from me. I am just like, whatever, that's fine. And to me, everyone's kind of been through this and everyone has the same outlook on life where the first two years of college, I mean, I guess a year and a half before we got sent home, I did everything under the sun, every single thing under the sun from, I went on two, I went on three service trips where to Canada, El Paso, San Diego. I'm a manager for the Villanova men's basketball team. I'm on committee for the Special Olympics here at Villanova, which is the largest student run Special Olympics in the world. I've won tour guide of the year. I give the most tours at the university. I'm in so many um, service-based clubs, whether I wake up at five in the morning and run with the homeless or I help students with disabilities on campus and I played intramural basketball and I made so many great friends in class and in my dorm and through all these programs where I wasn't sleeping. So the best part about the pandemic for me was I started sleeping eight hours a day. So I was pulling these four-hour nights. I also was minoring in Chinese after taking four years of Spanish. I was just doing everything. So I was like, if I'm at college, I got to make up for high school and college. So when the pandemic happened, I was like, Oh my God, I can breathe. Like, I'm not doing My gosh, anymore. as a physician, I really want to tell you it's so important <laughs> that you get some sleep, Justin. I know. Oh I know, my I goodness. Know. You can't do that. Your body can't do that. I know, but well. <laughs> do I your parents say the same thing? Oh do your parents God, say, my mom, oh my God, you've got to sleep? Night, every night. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to do everything. Um, and I'm glad I did because now you can't do half those things. Right. Totally. And I feel terrible for those freshmen where I was like, yeah, I, they're like, what'd you do in college? I tell them everything. Jeez, you did everything in one semester. I did in four years and then some. So Yeah. One of the things that I've talked with my people a lot about is trying to 
educate people around them as to what are good things to say and what are not so great things to say. Because people really, they could use some guidance in knowing what the right thing is to say and knowing what the right thing is to do. What are some of the things that were really great that you found that were really helpful? And if you have a funny story of what was some of the really awful, you're welcome to share one of the really awfuls with us as well. Okay. I would say with me, all support is welcome. I think any and all support is good. And for each person, because I've met a lot of survivors and people uh, still currently battling cancer who have very different interpretations of this. And there's people who love the very like, oh, you're amazing. You're great praise. And there's people who hate it. I would say I'm somewhere in between. Um, I don't like when I haven't seen someone for two months and they're like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm doing great. And they're like, no, how are you? And they're like, <laughs> they're going after something there. Because I, I, I look fine, I feel fine, I am fine, you know, to the best of my knowledge, at least. So I would say support-wise, I really liked when people made an effort more so than just like doing the theatricality of things. Mm. Uh, I think like nowadays, there's a lot of activism going on and there's people who really go into and there's people who do it more for show. And I think that especially when you're in middle school and high school, there are I don't want to single out girls here, but there are girls who are like, oh, he was my best friend. And he got kind of like, I never talked to you. <laughs> like we had class. That was it. And so you can, you can read through the BS on that. Um, but I would say, especially with the second time that I got sick, because I had found a bit of my footing in high school for the short time that I was there. I really had three good friends and they stuck with me through it and like visited me in the hospital and like really kept on, uh, kept my, like on my tabs, I guess is the wording. Um, but you can really delineate between who's who, um, yeah. not saying like fake and loyalty, but like who's really there versus who is not. I would say the the weirdest thing for me is that, I mean, you're looking at me now, I don't look like I've ever had cancer, nor do most survivors. Um, and even when I was sick, I didn't really look like it. I just looked like I was carrying a little extra weight, which most people in puberty were. So um, when I would tell people I had cancer, the most times they would say, no, you don't. <laughs> which is such a funny situation. It still happens in college when people are like, yeah, that, no, that didn't happen. You're like, no way. And I don't get offended. Uh, it's kind of a compliment. I'm like, yeah, thanks. And so that, that's weird for me. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. That I, is, don't, I agree. That's really strange. What point is there in saying, no, you didn't? Uh, you know, I, I don't get that. I mean, I like to make jokes, but that, that's quite a joke. Yeah, really. <laughs> I, I, I think that, that, you know, pushes the boundaries of what, you know, acceptable jokes are. Most people yeah. wouldn't joke that, about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's been good. I would say I've made a lot of friends through the people who support me. I've met a lot of great people. I've, met a lot of great, I've been involved and associated with a lot of great organizations because of it. But I think the support was beneficial for me because it was just nice to know that there were so many people out there. I mean, we did the whole Just Insanity thing. At the time that I got sick, Lynn Sandy, the Jeremy Lynn basketball player, we kind of ripped on that um, with my basketball background. And we had like events uh, in my town and people wore the shirt. And then the second time I got cancer, we made more different types of shirts. And uh, I was able to have fun with it in that way. And I was able to uh, cultivate a lot of support through it. But it was also uh, very beneficial for my parents because I didn't wake up every morning and go, I'm going to fight cancer today. I woke up pretty, not depressed, but like not thrilled either. Pretty angry that I had to wake up at six in the morning to go for like an 8.30 bone marrow uh, aspirate. Like I wasn't yeah. thrilled. And so just like having that for my mom, especially because she was 
my primary caregiver, I would say, because she stayed with me during the hospital. She's worked remotely. She would like go with me to everything. My dad would go to some stuff, but it was, it was way more my mom. It's good for her to know that there was all these people in her corner. At that point, I think it was Caringbridge. Caringbridge, yeah. That had a, that your parents posted updates. So people like us who weren't really in your inner circle, you know, we just sort of knew you and your dad peripherally. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were, I was thinking about you and your family often being in oncology and having kids. I thought of your parents all the time and it was so nice to have a place where I could go and look without having to bother them and text them yeah. and email them, you know, cause they've got enough on their plate without some half stranger text them going, Hey, what's going on right now? Yeah. No, when my mom first, uh, when we first found out I had cancer when I was 12, my mom's phone like just broke and she was getting texts five days late because so many people reached out. So it was one part of that, but the beauty of caring bridge, the, the real underlying great thing about it was that it was all public. And that was what the inner circle was being told was everything on caring bridge. And because of it, it very much normalized cancer and talking about cancer for me, where I, it wasn't something that I was afraid or had to hide. It was something that I was comfortable and confident about. Yeah. Um, so uh, big recommendation. Uh, Anything else that you have that you think we'd love to hear about? The most common question I get asked by people is that uh, if I could go back in time, would I do this all over again? And the answer I say is yes, because this is what I'm used to and this is what I know. And the outcome of it is quite great, I think, uh, where I am now. I'm quite happy with it. And I learned a lot of things through getting cancer that I would never probably learn. And I developed, I think, maturity-wise quite uh, Mm -hmm. quickly, comparatively speaking to my friends. And I think that, yeah, it sucked. But if this was the end result, I mean, I I don't think I would have turned out this way. I think if I was cancer-free, I would be playing D3 basketball at some school, thinking I was the coolest guy in the world, crushing beers against my head. I think that was the trajectory. I think what, what is really amazing for so many people is it, it develops a resilience and a strength that you might not have found at that point in your life otherwise. And it helps you to focus on what really matters. And it does sort of let you let go of the little things. And it helps you to sort of focus on the experiences along the way. Yeah, I think uh, for college especially, and high school, I I still fell into it, but college, I just don't care what people think. Not that, like, I do terrible things. I'm like, I don't really care what people think. Like, I, for Special Olympics, I'm going to walk around in a minion costume around college campus, and I don't care if people record me. Like, I just don't care. Like, who cares? (laughs) Why does that matter? Like, who cares? But there's so many people who still, and they're like, I have to wear these shoes. I have to get this shirt. I have to do all this. Oh, my God. Like, to be you and stress over that. Whew. I think it's actually really nice to go through life with a little bit of knowledge of what actually matters. Can you share with everybody how to find your TED Talk so that if they're interested, they can go and watch yeah. that? I guess if you just look up Justin Pritikin on YouTube. <laughs> um, but Spell also, your last name for everybody. Uh, P is in Peter, R-I-T-I-K-I-N. And then it's called Holding On to Normal. Okay. Uh, so if you just type in holding on to normal TED talk, it'll probably come up as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I, I watched it a while ago and I loved it and would like to share that with people as well. Justin, thank you so much for being with us today. You are such an inspiration. It's, it's a delight to hear your story. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.